Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're going to pick up in verse 21 this morning, right where we left off last week. We've been going through the book of Mark for the last several months. We've just taken a few verses at a time, just breaking it down, and uh, we're, we're moving on. We'll be finishing up uh, chapter 4 here pretty soon, uh, probably next week, Lord willing. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. The last couple of weeks, we've broken down the verses that came directly before these where Jesus gave a parable of someone who was sowing seed. Uh, They were sowing seed, and certain seeds fell on certain places and types of soil. Some grew a little bit, some didn't grow at all, and some grew a lot. And Jesus kind of broke down that parable to us, explaining how that's what our Christian life is like that the Word of God, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, is sown to a lot of people. Some it goes in one ear and out the other. Some believe it for a little while, but don't hold to it. Uh, Some really try their best to live by it, but then there are things of the world, distractions that come, and worries of this age that kind of block out and affect their relationship with the Lord. But some stand firm on the Lord. They are rooted in good soil, and they produce lots of fruit for the Lord. And that's what the Lord desires for those who are His. He desires for us to be fruitful, and that's what we should strive to be as Christians. Uh, We should strive to be those that when we hear the Word of God, we take it in. That's what we need to do today, or anytime you read God's Word or hear God's Word anywhere you may be. I want you to be those who take it in. I don't want there to be one here today that hears God's Word and it goes in one ear and out the other. I want God's Word to penetrate into your heart, uh, whether you're listening today or whether you're reading or listening somewhere this week, and that's what we should strive to do. Now, Jesus spoke often in parables, quite a bit in parables. And we see that parable last week, but the disciples didn't understand the parable. And Jesus said, well, how will you understand any of the parables? He was asking a question, but a question that he would answer himself with the response. The way that the disciples were going to understand the parables is the same way that you and I are able to understand the parables. Jesus explains the parables to them. Now, parables are things that we can relate to, things that we can connect with, things that may simplify the kingdom of God in terms that we can understand. Uh, But it was also to kind of keep the kingdom hidden. That is, for those who are hungering and desiring the kingdom of God, well, they will seek it. They will eat it up when they see things in God's Word, even if they don't understand them. uh, They will seek the Lord. It's the same as those who were with Jesus, who heard the parable of the sower. Some didn't understand it, and they went on their way. Others that didn't understand it came to Jesus and said, well, we don't understand this. They knew there was something that was there, and they were desiring it, and they were seeking it. And because they came to Jesus... They were uh, reveal, it was revealed to them what these parables were about. And so we were kind of introduced <laughs> to that good parable last week, and it was a good parable. And Jesus gave us a really good explanation of that parable, and today we're going to look at some more very short parables, and we're going to start in Mark chapter 4, verse 21, and we, O oh Lord willing, make it through verse 34. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name, God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. This is Jesus speaking here. He also said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Isn't it to be put on a lampstand? For nothing is concealed except to be revealed, and nothing is hidden except to come to light. If anyone has ears, he should listen. Now, Jesus is bringing forth the kingdom of God to these people who have been following Him and listening to Him for these last few chapters. He's brought the kingdom of God. He's told them the kingdom of God has come near. Repent. Enter into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God had come because the king had come. And Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And the king had come and the kingdom of God had come near. And Jesus was calling people to come into the kingdom. And he was revealing the kingdom uh, by preaching and teaching them. And by doing so using parables. Now some didn't quite get those parables. Jesus wasn't trying to keep anybody else but keep anybody out of the kingdom. He was trying to get people to seek the kingdom. He wasn't trying to cover the light up. Jesus was the light who would come into the world that was full of darkness. And the world needed to see that light. That's how they were going to understand how their eyes were going to be open, how their ears were going to be open, how they were going to be able to perceive and understand the things that Jesus was doing and that Jesus was saying. They were going to understand those things by seeing the light. Now Jesus was the light. He had come into the world and by Him sharing the gospel message, He is the light. He is the gospel message. Now for us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are those who are light bearers for the Lord. When Jesus Christ left and ascended back to heaven after He was crucified and resurrected by the Lord three days later, when He ascended back to heaven, He left us with the job, with the task of being His light bearers, of bringing the light into the world. Now, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is, you've chosen to follow Him, you have faith in Him, and you want to serve Him, and you want to be His, and you are covered by His blood, and you are forgiven of your sins, then you have received the Holy Spirit. You have seen the light, and the light is in you. And just as Jesus brought light to the world, so now it's your job and my job to bring light into the world. Now we get how light works. Now Jesus doesn't explain these parables that we're talking about today. He did give a great explanation of, of the ones that we uh, read, one we read last week, but he doesn't uh, break down these parables in the same way, at least not to us. He probably did to his disciples, as we'll see in the verses to come. But we don't have that explanation recorded for us here. But even with that said, it's pretty easy for us to understand how light works. Now, for instance, say a storm is coming our way. A hurricane is coming our way. Here's what happened. Last time we had a storm come through, Michelle and I, or Michelle went to Walmart and she bought a bunch of lamps. And then she brought those lamps home with plenty of batteries for those lamps. And you know what we did with those lamps? We tucked them in a the cabinet and said, all right, when the storm comes, they'll help us a lot there. No, that's not what we did. We got the lamps ready. We put the lamps where we could get to them easy. We put them on the lampstand, so to speak. We put them on the table. We put them right there where they were handy. Why? Because if you need light, it needs to be where you can see it. If we would have bought those lamps and turned them on and put them in the cabinet, well, they would have done us no good in the darkness when the storm hit. 
But because we put those lights where we could see them, when those lights are turned on and they're put on the table or they're set on the bar, guess what? It illuminates the whole house. So when the darkness comes, we are not in the darkness because we are surrounded by the light. Now that's how the gospel should be for us. When we have chosen to follow Jesus Christ and we put our faith in Him, we are lights. That is, we should be willing to go out into the world and to love on people and to tell people about Jesus Christ and to live the way Jesus lived. And when we live like Jesus lived and when we love like Jesus loved, then people will see that light coming from us. Now, in case you haven't recognized or realized, we live in a world where there's a lot of darkness. There are a lot of people who are living in darkness. Now they think they can see. They think they can see great. But what they don't know is that they're blind and they're living in darkness. Now it's our job to be a light to the world. That even though people don't realize they need the light, boy, once they get it, they will say, wow. They will be illuminated. They will know the truth. They will know that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. They'll know that Jesus Christ is that Savior. They'll know what love really is. They'll know what forgiveness really is. These are things that the world doesn't teach us. These are things that the world's definition of love is quite different from God's definition of love. But Jesus not only told us, but he showed us what real love was. And that is what we are to do. We are to be a light to those who are around us. We aren't to take our light and say, well, we don't want to go out into the world. There's lots of bad people in the world. We better stay here in this church. Well, yeah, we should come to church and we should uh, find the time to gather and, and worship the Lord. But it's not our job to keep our light uh, contained in, but it's our job that our light would go out into the world. And Jesus gives a simple parable and explanation here and he says look uh, nothing should be sh nothing is is to be concealed or to remain hidden uh, but uh, is to is to come to light and that's what he wants his gospel message his word he wants it to come to light for the world to see if anyone has ears to hear he should listen then he said to them pay attention to what you hear by the measure you use it it will be measured and added to you now, that's good advice right there. Pay attention to what you hear. Now, there are probably times, and it may just be me. I won't lump you guys into that. But there have been times that I might have been reading God's Word or might have heard God's Word preached, and I wasn't paying attention. I was reading it just to read it. Or I was at church, and I was sitting on a pew, but I was thinking about other stuff. I wasn't paying attention. And even when I knew what it said, sometimes I didn't do what it said. Now, you guys may not be guilty of that. There may be times, though, in your life that you have been guilty of such things and that you didn't pay enough attention to God's Word. Now, Jesus says, if you got an ear, you need to hear what I'm saying and you need to pay attention to what I'm saying. You need to pay attention to the Word of God. You don't just need to let it go in one ear and out the other. You need to listen to it, and when you hear it, you need to say, okay, here's what it says. Let me do what it says. Let me live my life in the way that God's Word calls me to live my life. That's what we should do when we hear God's Word. He says, pay attention to what you hear. Why do we need to pay attention to what we hear? Because, he says... By the measure you use it, it will be measured and added to you. Now, if we use God's Word for good, if we build our foundation on it, if we study it, if we grow on it, if we seek to be obedient to it, then that's great. 
We're, 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 we're adding good measure to us. By the measure we use it, if we use it for good and we dwell on it and we really focus on it and we live by it, then that's a good thing. It's going to be added to us in a good way. If we don't pay much attention to God's Word and we kind of write it off or we hear it and we're not obedient to us to it, then by the measure we use it, it's going to be added to us. Now, I believe that that could probably be for good or for bad. If we are being obedient to us, uh, to God's Word, it will be for our good. If we're being disobedient to God's Word, then it will be added to us for our bad. We want things to be added for our good. We want to grow in God's Word. By the measure you use it, it will be measured and added to you. Now, there were some people who heard these parables of Jesus, and they didn't pay them any attention, and it did them no good. It didn't benefit them in any way. Instead, it, it, it harmed them. There was more against them on the day that they were going to stand before the Lord, and the same is true for us. When we hear God's Word and know it and do it, it's a great thing for us. When we hear God's Word and know it and don't do it, it's going to be a very bad thing for us. Jesus goes on to say in verse 25, for the one who has, it will be given. And from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Now, we covered this verse a couple of weeks ago uh, because it was placed in a different spot in Luke's uh, account of this, of this event, uh, in Luke chapter 8. And Luke puts it at the very beginning of the parable of the sower. As Jesus is beginning to explain the parable, he tells his disciples when they don't understand, he tells them this very thing in Luke's account. Now, in uh, Mark's account here, it comes in a different place, but I believe the meaning, the meaning is still the same. Now, this is probably the same account as to why the, it's put in a different place in one and not the other. Well, you would have to ask Mark and Luke that. I don't know the answer to that. It's also a possibility that Jesus spoke the same thing on multiple occasions. That's not hard to believe. And maybe he got them in a different order. Regardless of which account we're reading or what order it, it's in, the meaning is the same. For the one who has, it will be given. Now when it says the one who has there, I believe Jesus is talking about the one who has the desire to hear, the one who has the desire to seek, the one who has the desire to know the Lord, the one who hungers for the kingdom of, of the Lord. The one who has that hunger, well, the one who has that, it will be given. If we seek the Lord, we will find the Lord. Mr. Thomas told us that this morning. If we seek the Lord, we will find the Lord. Now, there are some in this room who have a hunger for the Word, who have a hunger for the Lord, who have a hunger to do right. And if you have, then more will be given. Why? Because you're seeking the Lord, and He is the one who gives. And if we seek the Lord, He will give to us. The one who does not have, even what he has, will be taken away. Now, this is reminiscent to the very first seed that fell on the, on the, on the pathway that we read. Uh, the, the seed that fell on the pathway, the birds came and ate them up, and Jesus said that that was the word being sown on people who, as soon as they heard it, didn't pay any attention, and Satan came and took away whatever they had heard. Whatever little bit they had was taken away. Now, there are many people in this world who do not seek the kingdom of God, who do not desire to live in obedience to Him, and do not trust and have faith in Jesus Christ. And even though they may have heard the gospel message, they have not trusted in it, and what they have will be taken away. There are some in this world who are very religious. 
They do a lot of religious things, but they don't have faith in Jesus Christ. And even though they may think they have a lot, and they may think they are super holy, when the day comes that they stand before the Lord, have they not put their faith in Jesus Christ, what they have will be taken away. Now, there were many in Jesus' day who fell into this category. The Pharisees and the Sadducees would have fell into that category of being very religious, but not trusting in Jesus Christ. Now, they thought they were holier than thou, but they have a rude awakening coming if they had not put their faith in Jesus Christ. The day that they stand before the Lord in judgment will be a bad day because what little that they think they have will be taken away. We want to be those who have. That is, we have a desire, we have a hunger, we want to seek the Lord. And when we do that, we will have more and more. God will continue to bless us and pour out on us. When we don't seek the Lord, when we don't pay attention to His Word, when it goes in one ear and out the other, and we don't let that Word grow in us, then what little we have will do us no good on the day of judgment if we've not put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Let's read a little further. Verse 26. The kingdom of God is like this, he said. A man scatters seed on the ground. Now, let's stop there for a second because in some ways this is kind of similar, I guess, to the parable we read last week, the parable of the sower, but, but not really. Now, there's a couple of ways we can take these verses uh, that we're, that we're going to look at here going forward. Uh, we can kind of try to apply them to the same idea that we saw in the first parable, although I don't believe that that's the same idea that Jesus is trying to get across in this parable. So it goes back to using a parable about a man sowing seed, which is something that these people would have been very familiar with. Now, maybe not so much in this day and age. Uh, some of you are probably, I'd say most of you in this room are probably familiar with planting seeds. But you go find a young person that's always lived in the city, well, they're probably not going to be quite as familiar with planting seeds. But Jesus' culture, these people would have been very familiar with farming. That was how they had to have their way of life. That's how they had to provide food. So when he uses these parables about seed, it would have, it would have really connected uh, with this group that he's speaking to. Now, when he's speaking here in this parable and in the one to come, he's talking about the kingdom of God. He's explaining the kingdom of God to his disciples and to those who are, who are seeking him. That's what he's trying to explain. And he says, the kingdom of God is like this. He said, a man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. The soil produces crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, and then the ripe grain on the head. But as soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, he speaks about a man who plants seeds and kind of the mystery of how seeds grow. Now, if you've ever planted anything before, you plant it, and you may go to sleep one night, and you wake up the next day, and nothing's happened. And you wake up the next day, and you may see a little sprig shooting up. And a day or two later, another little sprig. And you witness the growth of this, of this seed that you've planted. You witness the growth of this crop as it continues to grow and sprout and grow. And the man doesn't know how it's going on. He just knows that this thing is taking place here. Now, we could view this parable in the same way as we did the other. And if you view it that way, you could be correct in that, in that when it talks about the seed growing and growing, 
thus showing different stages of Christianity. Now, that is true. As Christians, we do grow. When we start and we very begin to sprout, we may not know as much about the Lord, or we may not know as much about God's Word, or we may not understand everything, but as we grow and God begins to make and mold and work on our heart and take out the bad and show us the good, we do grow as a Christian. That's a right application in, in a sense of how we grow as Christians. Although I don't know if that's the application that Jesus is going for here when he talks about uh, the way these things are growing. I don't think he's talking about different stages or different types of Christians or non-Christians as he was in the other parable of the sower. But here he tells us at the beginning what he's talking about. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like something that starts small and that begins to grow into something big. And one day it will grow until it is ready to be harvested. Now I believe that Jesus is speaking of the kingdom of God as a whole one day. When the day comes that Jesus Christ will return and those who have put their faith and trust in him, we will go to be with him for all of eternity. I believe that's what Jesus is saying in this parable. We may not understand how the kingdom of God is, is growing, how people are being reached here, our lives are being changed here, but we see the kingdom of God at work. We see people's lives being changed. We don't know all that the Holy Spirit does in the background. We just know that God changes lives and He changes hearts. And that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a seed that grows. Now, one thing we can pay attention to and consider when we read these parables is we make and overread the parables. Or at least I think we can. Here's what I mean by that. Is sometimes we may try to put application on every character and every little thing on the parable. And I'm not so sure that Jesus always wanted to put application on every single part of the parable. Now I understand in the last parable we read, he did give very specific instructions about each part of the parable. And some of the parables, I believe, we are to break down more specifically, while others, I think, may be more general to us. Now, we may could break down this one a little too much. We may could say, well, if God is the one who's starting the kingdom, surely he knows how the kingdom grows if he's the one who planted the seed. Well, of course God would know that if he's the one who's planting the seed. Of course God knows how everything works and how everything grows. But I think Jesus is using this man who's watching the seed grow as more of an application to you and I. That is, we don't know all the ins and outs of the kingdom of God and how it grows, but we know it grows. We know the Lord is at work and we see that it grows and we know and look forward to that one day the crop is going to be fully grown. Now when that day is going to come, I don't know the answer to that. Could be today. Could be a million years from now. I don't know. But there's going to come a day that when the last soul the Lord wants to get saved is saved, the day will come and Jesus Christ will return. I don't know when that day is going to be, but Jesus even says here, one day the crop's going to be fully grown. The crop being Christianity, those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We have to be ready for that day and make sure we are grown in Jesus Christ and part of that, uh, of that harvest when that day of harvest comes to us. He goes on to continue kind of in the same vein as what we just talked about. In verse 30, he switches his gears to 
parable of the mustard seed. Now, Jesus uses the mustard seed on, on a couple of different occasions uh, for, different, for different reasons, but, but the fact that the mustard seed is extremely small is the point that Jesus is making. That's the illustration that he's trying to use to point out the kingdom of God. Now, he uses that illustration again with the mustard seed about our faith. Again, speaking of something that's very small. And here, he continues in this, in this list of parables, and he, now he shifts gears to speaking of the mustard seed in verse 30. And he said, How can we illustrate the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, that when sown in the soil is smaller than all the seeds on the ground. And when sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the vegetables and produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. Now, this is an interesting parable in that, technically speaking, the mustard seed is not the smallest of all the seeds. Now, some who would try to contradict the Bible would put a lot of emphasis on that. Uh, some of your translations say it grows into a tree, and if you've ever seen a mustard plant, well, you would say, well, it's more like a shrub. So that leads to more debate. Well, maybe Jesus was talking about this thing that looks more like a tree, or maybe he was talking about another thing. Now, I don't see any problem with Jesus' statement here, uh, nor do I say, oh, Jesus is a liar because the mustard seed's not the smallest seed. Uh, what I believe Jesus is speaking in here in this parable is he's speaking in hyperbole. He's not speaking literally. He's using some things that are very small and some things that are very big to make a point. Now, some people would break down Jesus' words so much so that they would totally miss the point that Jesus was trying to say. Now, maybe some, some uh, people of Jesus' day did the same thing. No doubt they did. There were many things that Jesus said that the people didn't care to listen to. They were simply looking for something wrong with what he was saying. That happened back when he was alive, and guess what? That still happens today. Uh, there are still people today who are looking for a reason not to believe in Jesus Christ instead of looking and seeing what did he really mean? What was he really trying to say? What was the point he was trying to make? Not with just this parable, but with all the parables and all the teachings that he had. The kingdom of God, he said, is, uh, can be, what can we use to describe it? He said we can use a mustard seed to describe it. It is smaller than all the seeds of the ground. Now, a mustard seed is very, very tiny. If you've never looked at one, you can, uh, you can Google them and you can find out how tiny they are. A mustard seed is super tiny. Now, Jesus is saying here that the kingdom of God is something that starts out very small, but is going to grow into something big. Now, there's much debate over what kind of bush or tree that Jesus was referring to here. I'm not sure, and it's not that important. Whatever Jesus was talking about, whatever it grew into, it was something that was really big that came from something really small. And that is the point that we do not want to miss here. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It starts as just nothing, just a speck, and it's grown into something beautiful. Now, the kingdom of God started with Jesus Christ, with his ministry, and he began to grow his kingdom. He got his disciples. There were others who began to follow, and throughout his life, he continued to grow the kingdom, and there were more people coming into the kingdom. And if you look into our world today, uh, studies would show that there are approximately 2.4 billion people in the world who profess to be Christians. Now, I would say that from one man who started off preaching the truth and was the light, 
I would say that that's a pretty big growth, wouldn't you, to go from one in Jesus Christ to 2.4 billion. The kingdom of God has indeed grown, and it has grown exponentially. It has grown and grown, and guess what? It is continuing to grow today. There are still people every day who are entering into the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, this is how we describe it, as something really small like a mustard seed that grows into this big bush or this big tree that has limbs that can provide safety. That's what Jesus says the kingdom of God is. He says, and when sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the vegetables and produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. Now, there are a couple of ways we can interpret these birds that are being talked about here. Uh, one is we can apply the same logic that Jesus applied to the birds in the previous parable. That is, in the previous parable about the sower that we read last week, the birds represented Satan who came in and picked up the seed and took it away. Now, some would say that we have to use the same application here, and maybe so. That could be the, the correct thought, that we have to use the same application that the birds there represented Satan, and so here they represent Satan or represent evil. But I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I don't know that uh, those parables can't change and the, 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 the things involved in the parables can't mean different meanings at different times. So we may get ourselves into trouble if we always try to make everything fit in the same way that it did last time. There may be times where it can fit in the same way, uh, and that may be the case here. There are Christians who hold uh, two different views on this, at least two that I know of. And so if, if, if a couple of you differ uh, in here on, on what this verse means, it's okay. Uh, but the, 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 the mustard seed produces a great plant or a great tree that produces branches that are big enough for birds to come and nest in and have shade in. Now, the language here to me doesn't seem as though he's speaking of these birds in a bad way. It doesn't seem as though they're speaking of something evil, although some view this as saying once the kingdom comes, the bird represents Satan who's still trying to come and rip from the kingdom and tear the kingdom up. But it seems as though that the branches here and the shade here is a good thing that the birds are coming to this place, to this tree, because it's a safe haven. It's a safe place. It's a place that will shade them from the heat and keep them safe. And so I tend to lean toward that second view, that when it talks about the birds coming into the kingdom of God, that Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is a safe haven. It's a place where people can come and be comforted. It's a place where we can escape the heat of the world. It's a place where we can nest, that we can call our home the kingdom of God, and we can be free from the trial and the troubles and the worries and the stresses of this world. Where else can we go to escape all of the worries and the stresses and the pains and the sorrows of this world? Where can you go apart from the kingdom of God? Well, you can't go anywhere. There's nowhere on this world you can go. There's nowhere off of this world you can go. There's nowhere in this universe you can go. There is only one place that you can go that you can receive comfort and strength and peace and security and protection, and that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we go to the Lord, that's when we are comforted. That's when we are at peace. That's when we are taken care of. And Jesus wants all to come into the kingdom of God. He wants all to repent and be part of that kingdom. 
That kingdom that started with Him coming, the Son of God, coming to this earth, preaching the truth, being the light, giving His life as a sacrifice for us on the cross. He is the start of the kingdom. He's the King of the kingdom. It all started with Him. And Jesus says, I want you to come into this kingdom. I want you to come. I want you to be part of this kingdom. I want you to be at peace. Jesus says, I come to bring you peace. He told His disciples that. We see that in Scripture time and time again, that Jesus comes to bring peace. And that's where the kingdom of that's where peace is, is in the kingdom of God. There may be some of you in this room today and you're looking for peace. You're looking for comfort. You're looking for freedom from your burdens and forgiveness of your sins. Well, I want to tell you, it doesn't come just by sitting in this room today. It doesn't come just by putting a lot of money in the plate. It doesn't come uh, just because you've gone to church your whole life. That peace and that freedom and forgiveness of sin comes from trusting and having your faith in Jesus Christ. And then when you enter into His kingdom and the Holy Spirit enters into you upon coming to Him and following Him in faith, then you will find that peace and that comfort and that forgiveness that you are seeking. Jesus says that's what the kingdom of God is. It starts as something small and it's grown into something big and it's going to continue to grow until the day that Jesus Christ returns. Verse 33. He would speak the word to them with many parables like these, as they were able to understand. And he did not speak to them without a parable. Privately, however, he would explain everything to his own disciples. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus, every word he spoke was a parable. There are plenty of things that Jesus says in Scripture that were not parables. But generally speaking, when he teaches, he uses lots of parables. And he uses parables because they are things that are easy for the people to understand. But it says privately, he would explain everything to his own disciples. That's how they were under, able to understand the parables. He asked them in the passage last week, how are, if you don't understand this, how are you going to understand any of them? We understand because Jesus explains to us. Now maybe you're saying, I don't understand all of God's Word. I don't understand this. I don't understand that. I don't understand what I'm supposed to do in my life. I don't understand what this decision I'm supposed to make is. Well, then you need to seek the Lord. Because the same one that gave answers and that gave guidance to the disciples who were there with him is the same one who will give you guidance and will help you to come to the answers you need to come to. Maybe not as fast as you would like to come to them. There are many things in God's Word that I don't understand yet today, but I'm hoping one day God will help me to understand those things. And Jesus spoke in parables so that we could understand, so that we would not miss what he was trying to say. And I don't want anybody in this room to miss the kingdom of God today. Because Jesus said, look, I'm coming to bring you the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is something that's growing, and he wants you to be part of that kingdom. And you become part of that kingdom by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. If you haven't done so today, don't leave this place today. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you, if you've heard God's word, don't let it be in one ear and out the other. You need to be those who hunger for God's Word. And I pray that the Holy Spirit today is convicting you of that. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning and I thank you for your Word. I pray that you just would bless your Word, dear Lord. I pray that you would help uh, any in here that have never trusted in Jesus. I pray that they would trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior today. God, I pray that you just would 
Uh, be with all of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, dear Lord, that we would stand firm on your word, that we would pay attention to what it says, and dear Lord, we would grow in it. I pray that if we're part of your kingdom, maybe we've maybe we flew out of the tree looking for things of the world, dear Lord, and we've lost that peace and that security. God, I pray that we'd fly back home, that we would roost on your branches that will hold us firm, and that we would stand firm on you, dear Lord, and find uh, protection and security and peace in you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.